The Athletic. Welcome back to 1874 on The Athletic, a podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club. I'm Dan Bardell, joined by Greg Evans, The Athletic's Aston Villa reporter. And just before we start, you can subscribe to The Athletic UK right now for a special price of $3.99 a month for six months. That's 40% off the full price of a subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts, including this one. So go to theathletic.com slash villapod to take advantage of this special 40% discount. That's theathletic.com slash villapod. Now, we've had a few messages about the Stefan Moore podcast. Obviously, a lot of you will have read Greg's written piece. Really, really interesting read. But we did do a podcast with him as well. The reason that hasn't been out yet is that we're saving it for the close season to give you guys something to sink your teeth into. So here's a little teaser. That podcast will be with you at the end of May, beginning of June. I didn't really have someone who'd been there and done it around me who could say, you should be doing this, you need to be working, this is just the start. I just thought it's only going to get better from here. Yeah. And it gets harder. When you when you get there, it's easy to get there. Everyone can have one go, Carter. But to stay there, you've got to work even harder. I didn't grasp that at all. So I played some like 26 games that year for Villa and I wasn't on at all. I was thinking, what's going on here? So I've got there, now I'm not. I'd start again. We end up doing a deal that I go, I go to, again, I signed for QPR, not knowing enough about it. I haven't even gone and met the manager. No one can ever take that away. I, I scored on my David, youngest Premier League player to score for Villa. No one can ever take that away from me. Morning, Greg. We'll start with what I imagine was a, a very tough day for you yesterday. Some some really harrowing stuff from the trial for the murder of former Villa striker Dalian Atkinson. Yeah, Dan, good morning. Um, Villa have lost a few heart-end heroes in recent years, haven't they? So, yeah, mm. it was a it was a very sad case to cover. I mean, it was five years ago now that, that Dalian was killed outside of his father's home in Telford. And, and, and what we heard yesterday in court was just pretty much what happened on that day. Um, Dalian's behaviour was erratic. It was strange. You know, he, he wasn't a well person at the time as well. Um, he had heart disease and, and kidney problems. Um, yeah, so police were called to his father's home because of a disturbance. And and when they got there, he was tasered three times, the third one lasting for 33 seconds, which, you know, as you would have read the reports, he's, he's six times longer than the required length. The court also heard that PC Benjamin Monk of West Mercia Police the officer who deployed the taser also kicked Dalian in the head with such force that it left it left his boot imprints in his forehead. He denies the murder and manslaughter, and another officer, Mary Betley Smith, also denies assault. And you know the case continues. Yeah, obviously we can't go into into too much detail, but is this something that you're going to continue to cover for the Athletic? And do you know how long it's going to go on for as well? I'm expecting it to be quite a long case, Dan. I mean, somewhere around six to eight weeks. So. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be in court as as and when required, and and I'll continue to provide updates as it continues. Good stuff. Well, not good stuff at all, but but yeah, you catch my drift. And what else have you you been working on, Greg? Uh, yes, I had a few days off actually um, over the weekend. I, I, I missed it. Did say you were covered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, missed missed the Everton game. Uh, watched it on TV. I uh, thought I thought Villa were great, which we'll, we'll you know we'll get onto shortly, and obviously uh, adhered to the um, social media boycott as well for for four, for three or four days. Hopefully, 
you know, you did the same, didn't you, Dan? Hopefully, yeah. that you know, we, our, our little part all made a you know part of a bigger impact. So, um, you know, a lot a lot of people got involved with that. Yeah, got a, got an exciting interview coming up at the end of the week, which will which will go live before the Man United game um, with a, with a, with a current player at, at Villa. So that's one to look out for, and and then some yeah, some exciting stuff leading up to the Euros. You've kept that quiet because I don't know a single thing about the current player that you're interviewing. So you've been keeping that under your hat and your time off. I like to keep some things away from you, Dan. You, you don't know everything as much as you think you do. Nice, nice, nice. Nice positive start to the podcast there, giving me a bit of unwarranted abuse, Greg. So you weren't at Everton on Saturday, but you watched it on TV like me. And in my opinion, I think it was Villa's best away display of the season. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I still think the Arsenal away result was was probably the best. I thought that was the most complete performance of the season. But I think given where Villa were in recent weeks and, and how they'd underperformed and, and almost become a bit dull and boring, hadn't they, to watch, I think that, this Everton, that Everton performance and the result came at the real right time. Um, I, I spoke to somebody at the club uh, before the last home game, and you know he said, "Look, if we can get up to the sort of the fifty-point bracket, and then go and beat one of the typical sort of top six, seven sides along the way, and obviously Villa have, have got a lot of those remaining, um, then it will it will be seen as a very good season." And it's heading towards that way now, isn't it? That Everton result was a, was a really good. Um, you know, a, a step forward, I think, and, and it just showed that Villa can play without Jack after all. Yeah, that was the big thing, wasn't it? I mean, it, it's a great result, take, take that away, but the performance was was really, really strong as well. You know, it wasn't just that we had we had two chances and we scored two goals. I thought some of the football that we played was really fluid and we looked really dangerous going forward. And in the first half, actually, could have had a few more, really. Yeah, I was, you know, I was watching on, and uh, and I thought, I hope Villa don't go, you know, don't, don't rue their missed chances because they had quite, a, they had quite a few, didn't they? And um, they certainly looked like the more aggressive side, and and I thought, yeah, I was very pleased with them, um, you know, and, and and they obviously got the win in the end. Yeah, El Ghazi now, his productivity this season has, has been incredible, especially when you think about he, he didn't get anywhere near the team until until the middle of December. So that's eight goals in 12 starts. Now he scored winners against Wolves, against West Brom, against Everton, and he, he got us a point with a goal against Chelsea as well. Really nice goal, t- took it really well. He can be up and down, El Ghazi, but, but those numbers, you can't really argue with them, can you? No, those numbers are great, actually. And I think that he, I think he'll probably be frustrated that he hasn't played or certainly started as many games as he would have liked. Um, there was a period, wasn't there, around you know the, the, the turn of the year where he was in great form and then kind of kind of lost his momentum because he lost his place, didn't he? And I, I felt maybe it was the wrong decision to pull him out at a time where you know he was really in good form. But um, two goals in the last two games, as you say, what is it? Eight goals now. Eight goals in twelve starts. That's really impressive, isn't it? I suppose his goal goals to uh, goals to games ratio must be quite high up there um and yeah it's a it's a case of now do, do Villa stick or twist with him for me I think we, we had almost this scenario didn't we last season with Trezeguet when when he, he had a a pretty poor season you know on the whole but then really came into his own towards the end and, and scored some important goals I feel like El Ghazi has actually produced more than Trezeguet has this season but we are in the similar position aren't we where we're thinking do Villa still need to upgrade on an El Ghazi and and and, and possibly even Traore um, and go even bigger in the wide positions next year? Or can those players actually still do it for them? I, I think that 
I think that given those goals, you can't look beyond El Ghazi, despite the fact that he can be frustrating and and uh, go you know go through games where he doesn't really do anything. But those goals speak for themselves, don't they? It's one of those games where you feel like everyone's been off form at the same time whilst Jack's been out. But actually watching us, everyone seemed to come back to form at exactly the same time, which was really strange because I thought Traore looked way more dangerous on the other flank than he has done for, for weeks. I mean, he left one of their players on the floor with an unbelievable <laughs> bit, bit of skill in the first half, didn't he? And he, he made an impact as well. Can you give me any reasoning at all while suddenly it looked like so much better for Villa? <laughs> yeah, no, you are right. I mean, three, three or four of them really, really uh, turned it on, didn't they? I think Traore must have watched uh, Matias Pereira the week before and thought, you know, if I don't turn up, then this guy might be taking my place next season. But, um, you know, he, 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 he certainly put in one of his better performances. Um, I'd started to become a little bit frustrated with Traore, actually, I think. When he again around that sort of New Year period when Villa were flying, he was he was really on top of his game, but he'd become a bit frustrating for me. And um, like I know he's a maverick type player who goes hot and cold, but and, and wingers as we've you know discussed on these podcasts for for a couple of years now, typically do blow hot and cold, don't they? And they're the ones that are, are always going to. Um, you, you know, try and find that consistency to prove how good they are, but I can't give you a reason why he, why he turned it on, no. Um, but it, it was certainly pleasing to see, and, and obviously Ross Barkley as well. I think I think he's been Villa's best player for the last two games. Yeah, I thought he he was arguably again man of the match against Everton. I mean, it, obviously it would have been really, really nice for him to return to Merseyside and, and pick up the three points. But he suddenly looks fitter and stronger, and he's doing the things that we've wanted to see him do for the last month to, to six weeks, where we just haven't really got anything out of him at all. Again, can you can you find any reason why he, why he's suddenly back to his best? Well, I think, look, for, it's a season, it was a season for Barkley that he really had to take advantage of and he started well. He had a, a long period in the middle where it was it was poor, obviously coming on the back of off the back of the injury um, that kept him out for a while. Then he just couldn't really find any rhythm. You know, he was trying to play his way back into fitness but didn't quite get there. Then when he lost his place, he was coming off the bench and, and not really getting enough minutes to, to provide any consistency. And you could clearly see that he's confidence was shot to bits you know, you know every time he misplaced a pass it was um he didn't really know what to do from there on in and, and he was he was afraid to take on players those lots of long driving runs that we that we've been so used to seeing um for Chelsea when he was playing well and, and for Everton obviously started to disappear he was passing um the ball backwards and sideways too often, which just isn't Ross Barkley's game. Um, and, and I just feel like the Albion game where he, he won an early penalty um, gave him a bit of confidence and gave him the belief to say, look, you know, I, I am a very good player. I can do this. I, you know, I believe in myself again. Let's be a little bit more expansive, which he was in the Albion game. Let's try things um, in a, you know, in a more creative way rather than being safe. Um and, he, and he's taken it on from there. And, and Everton, obviously, look, he would have gone back to Goodison with, with a point to prove. Um, you could clearly see he wanted a goal and, and, and was so unlucky not to get one with with the effort that hit the post. Um, but no, he's in a good moment at, at right now. And, and I feel that's only going to be good for Villa. Yeah, it's important for him himself, I think, to end the season well. He, he doesn't want his career to, to disappear. Does a, a good end to the season for Ross Barkley, does, does that change things with, with a permanent move to Villa, maybe, do you think? It's hard, isn't it? I mean, if look, if he has, what, five blockbuster performances 
um, you know, for the remaining games, then you're looking at seven back-to-back performances. Um, and then if you start analysing the season, he's almost had as many good games as bad games, which for me, if, you, if you're spending 35, 40 million pounds, which is what he's going to be worth, then it's hard to justify that when he's very... Do you think strong. he is worth that still? Do you think that's what they'd want still? You know, I think that's what Chelsea are going to be looking at. I think that's what, when he came, that was the that was the value he, he was at. And, you know, there might be a club out there that could get potentially a cut price deal um, and then they get the best out of Ross Barkley and then they're getting good value for money. I think this is probably not a possibility for next season, but if Villa could get another loan deal for him, if they could get a season-long loan, which, again, you know, I'm, I'm, I admit I don't think it would be likely, but if they could, I think it'd be worth going for it again because it takes off the pressure of having to invest a significant amount of money in him. And Dean Smith will know that he can turn it on in certain games. Um, and if he can get an improvement out of him next season, then it'd be good. But I don't see Villa paying you know, anywhere near the, the amount of money for Ross Barkley um, that was quoted when he first came on loan. No, I can't see any way in which Chelsea think they can get that. Either the, the inconsistencies have probably put paid to that, but Chelsea want to recoup some money because I think they, they spent a fair amount on him when, when they got him in in the first place. It'd be an interesting one and, and one to keep an eye on. But for him, as I say, I think to end the season well it would be a big thing for him. And if Villa have a Ross Barkley ending the season well, that's a big thing for Villa because... He's very different to some of the midfielders that we do have. Yeah, look, I think it's widely accepted at Villa that the two real flair players in that team are Ross Barkley and Jack Grealish. And I think if you can get those two going at the same time, then they can be a really exciting team. The, the issue the issue that Villa have had is that Grealish has obviously missed a you know, third of the season now or whatever it is. Um, and, and Barkley has been... Um, out of sorts for longer than half the season. So it's difficult, but clearly, you know, I've been saying this all season because I liked Ross Barkley as a player previous to Villa. And when he, when he came, I was very excited and to see what he could do. So I still believe he's got that in him and the last two games are a good sign. So, you know, he's got some tough games coming up now, Man United and and, and Chelsea and Tottenham. Um, you know, games that are, games that are going to be difficult, but obviously can't play again. They've still got Chelsea, haven't they? My, my thinking thing. Yeah, last day. Yeah, last time. You know, he can't play in that, so he's got four games left um, to really show what he's what he's what he's capable of. But I think he's got to the stage where he realises that he just has to perform because if he doesn't, then he's going to struggle to find a club that won him next year. Yeah, I mean, he's one that's taken a an absolute torrent of abuse on so on social media and on the weekend there's a social media blackout and people will be writing nice things about him <laughs> they're not happening are they but yeah hopefully he ends the season because well, I think in the games against the big teams he can be a real game changer if he plays really well against Man U on Sunday Villa have got a chance and you know we'll come on to the Man U game but that's a game I, I really want us to do something in on Sunday you touched on it at the start of the podcast but it was big to win a game without Jack and to play well wasn't it because I think the other games perhaps Villa have won since he's been out we haven't played great but to play well without him was, was a big thing yeah I, I think the the Leeds game that obviously Villa won without Jack was um Quite a, I think it was a good performance, but they weren't sort of scintillating, were they? They weren't great to watch. Um, but you know, a win's a win. So, and 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 given the way that Leeds beat Villa at the start of the season, that was that was good to get that win. 
Um, I think the Fulham game, Villa were quite lucky. I think they were probably they were poor, weren't they, for a long period of that game? And when great fifteen minutes though, Greg. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, not going to take that away from them, and and, and credit to their attitude and and um, their desire to to turn around a. Um, Going behind and then and then getting uh, the win, but you're right. You know the Everton game was the real proper performance, and I think the back end of the West Brom game and the entire of the the entirety of the Everton game showed some really good signs for Villa. And I think if they can take that into the the Man United game, they've got a chance. And then, you know, let, let's just hope they can finish with a flourish. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Man U game. I just wanted to talk about Ollie Watkins. Another goal for him. You know, I mean, he sniffed it out for himself, didn't he? I mean, Mason Holgate must be having nightmares against, about coming up against Villa. He always seems to have a, something bad happen to him when, when he plays against Villa. And, and Saturday was no different. But he sniffed out the goal, Ollie Watkins. Nice little finish. We'll be disappointed he didn't score a couple more, knowing what he's like as well, because he did have some chances in the game. But generally, just his all-round game, he just keeps getting better and better. And he, he is now one of the, the deadliest strikers in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like him. You know, I've, I've said from the very start of the season, I, I, I like what he's about. I like the way he plays. Um, I love his style. I love his down-to-earth ways as well. You know, he, he's just so um, he's just so measured and he just always wants to become better. He never takes anything for granted. It's not like he, he, he's risen through the leagues and... And now he's at one of the biggest clubs in in the Premier League, and you'd never know. He speaks the same as it when he was at Exeter. You know, he's he's such a great character. But yeah, he, it was his hard work again that that caused that, that made that goal. He, he he got it himself, as you say, and that's what Smith loves about him. That's the reason why he's played every single minute, because for the ninety minutes of every game, he hassles and harasses the defenders. Um, and he's now what got thirteen goals? Is it? I think. I think it might be fifteen with the England goal and 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 the, and the cup goal, but um, it, it would have been a big moment for him in, in that game because he's up against Dominic Calvert Lewin. The both of them scored, but I thought Watkins played you know the best out the better out of the two. Obviously Southgate was there in in the stands watching, and what you're noticing now is that Southgate he's coming to a lot of Villa games, and yeah, he's looking at Tyrone Mings. I suppose you know Ross Barkley's not going to make the squad, but he'll be interested to see how he's getting on, but. I think he really likes Ollie Watkins and he's one of those players that are in the forefront of his mind for those final Euros places and the way he's playing and, and the way he continues to score goals, it, it now wouldn't surprise me if he gets into that squad. Yeah, I was going to ask you because the, the squads have gone up to 26 men now. 
he stands a real chance, doesn't he? Because I don't I don't think the extra striker would, would have gone with 23 men, but now he's gone up to 26, you'd think an extra striker is going to be in the squad. There's a couple of players that you look at there, isn't there, for those extra spots that, that really, you know, come right back into it. I suppose you're Jesse Lingard, you're Ollie Watkins, um, possibly another right back now. They, they might be able to, to, to put three of them in there, whereas previously they only wanted two. It's really interesting, but, you know, for somebody, we, we, we've we've both watched every game, every Villa game, haven't we? So we know how good Ollie Watkins is, and I think Southgate likes his style, and I think that he believes he can fit into that England squad quite well, um, and uh, and potentially you know be a be be, a, be an asset to them if they need it. Yeah, just on on the England theme, what what whilst we've got it there, one of the questions from one of our listeners, Holly Jen, she, she's asked, do you think Jack will play for us again this season? I personally think it would be fair to Jack to rest him ready for the Euros or am I living in fairyland? Now, just before you interject, Jen, Jen, Greg, <laughs> new name for you this way, just before you interject, Greg, I think he actually needs to play some games to, to get himself in the Euro squad. But again, I think the 26-man thing now really helps him considering he hasn't played football for, for a third of the season. Another one of those players is probably Madison, isn't it? You know, he comes right back into the thinking now as I still well. don't think he gets in. Do you not think... I don't think it's anywhere near it, to be honest. I just think there's so many good attacking players. I think mm. Madison hasn't played for England for a long time now. Yeah, we were just thinking with the extra players, you know. Yeah. They're, they're gonna, there's going to be players that will go there that probably that aren't going to play a minute. And and I think that's why Gareth Southgate was a little bit frustrated. He, he doesn't necessarily want those extra players um, because he, I presume he'll know that, that, that two or three of them will just go and, and won't play a single minute. And it's quite hard to keep those motivated. Mm. Um but look, those guys are going to know, aren't they, that they're sort of there um, because the extra men uh, have been added. But I think Jack needs games. I think he needs a couple of games because he he's a player that gets better with a bit of rhythm. You know, I've interviewed him a fair few times now and, and he always says either when he's coming back from an injury or when he's coming uh, into the start of a new season, he likes to have a couple of games because uh, he feels that his actual best form is then four or five games in. So... I mean, ideally for him, if he could get probably the last three games of the Villa season, that, that would work well. Then he gets the two warm-up games before um, the Euros and, and then bang straight into the the, uh, the Croatia game, is it? For, uh, Czech, Czech Republic? Um, Czech Republic first, yeah. I don't know, I'm just nodding <laughs> along with you because I don't know. <laughs> it's Czech Republic, I think. But yeah, well, I'll be very drunk on that day wherever I am, so I, I probably won't even look at the opponents. But yeah, and, and it, look, he'll, he'll want to play, he'll want to be, he'll want to be in, a, in a good moment and he'll need games for me, I think. Um, he's not going to rush back and, and, and risk getting injured again. But um, yeah, you know, let, let, let's see. I, I think he's going to need a couple of games. He wants it so bad as well, doesn't he? It's, it's all he ever talks about. He, he just wants to play for England in, in a major tournament. And kind of, I mean, I think he's already announced himself on, on the world stage, to be perfectly honest with you. But in a tournament, if he can go and have a massive tournament, that's something he really, really wants to do. Yeah, totally. You know, every interview he does, he, he talks about that, doesn't he? And, and um, you know, we, we know he's desperate for it. Um, and I think he'd be quite quietly confident if, if he, you know, if he's fit, uh, touch wood that he's fit and, and available that he's got a really good chance of starting and actually helping England potentially progress very far and maybe even go on and win the competition I mean I think they're the bookies favourites which which obviously means nothing but you know you, you're starting to get quite excited about this England team I think defensively they might have a couple of issues um, I don't think they're going to be a team that can um, dominate possession against the real better teams 
just don't think England are quite at that level yet. But they've got some really exciting players, obviously with Harry Kane, Phil Foden, Jack Grealish himself, um, potentially even Jude Bellingham, you know, if, if Rice isn't available or um, if Southgate feels he could, can push him forward. But it's 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 exciting time to be an England fan and, and um, I'm certainly looking forward to the Euros as well. Yeah, and it was an exciting time to be a Villa fan in 1995 in the whole end. I can tell you, Greg, August 1995, the last time Aston Villa beat Manchester United at Villa Park. That stat absolutely makes my head explode. I can still picture being sat in my seat in that game and, and what a great day it was. I mean, Alan Hansen said you win nothing with kids after that game and then Man U probably went on and, and won the league in the May of, of that season. That, that record is, is it's quite scary, to be honest. Ridiculous, really, when you think of it. I mean, look, Man United are an elite team with elite players. They've spent ridiculous amounts of money year after year. So it's not like Villa are struggling to beat a, a Burnley or a Sheffield United or a West Brom. You know, it, it is it is Man United. So the, 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 there's a slight understanding there that they've struggled to beat, uh, struggled to get results against them. But I mean, you know, what's that? How many? How many years that's done? Six, ninety-five. Two men. I was ten, and I'm thirty-five now. Ten years, isn't it? No, is it? Sorry, it's even more, isn't it? Twenty-five. Twenty-six years. It's crazy. Yeah, my my math's shocking there. But twenty-six years. I mean, that they haven't beat them at home, and they've played them almost every season. So, uh, yeah. I had a look at some of the stats yesterday, and uh, and Man United have won a hundred times. In, in all competitions against Villa and Villa have only won 49. Now, even those, uh, you know, even, even those figures seem quite, uh, you know, incorrect, don't they? Cause it just feels like Villa never, ever beat Man United. But look, it, it's a time, it's, it's got to change, hasn't it? Records are there to be broken. And I think that sooner or later, Villa will just win one of these games. And yeah, you know, I think, think you might be right about the Europa League potentially giving them a bit of you know, difficulties. I don't know whether they'll play a full team. Will they, will they need to play a full team? 6-2 up, aren't they? Yeah. It's the, tra- it's the, it's, it's the travel aspect, isn't it? And, mm. and and getting back playing on a Thursday and a Sunday it does give Villa an advantage that perhaps they haven't always had against, against Man U. But to me, I just I just really want, I really want us to win, obviously, because I want Villa to win every game. But this has scarred me for a number of years, the fact that we can't beat Manchester United at, at Villa Park. And I kind of want to be there when it happens to, to to put the ghosts down. And I'm obviously not going to be there on Sunday, but it's just an incredible record. It, it haunts me. I can think of so many times when Villa have been in good positions at home against Man U and that they've chucked it away. Even in like, I remember us being 2-0 up in a, in, a, in a cup game, chucking it away. I think, uh, I can't remember if it was, I think it was Nistor came on, scored a hat-trick or Solskjaer came on. Something happened and they they went won, won the game 3-2. There's been countless games Alpay scoring an own goal in the last minute when Makeda we got a up. few didn't he as well a couple of times with Makeda Makeda I don't think he ever played against anyone else just wheeled <laughs> him out against Villa that, that was that was, that was all that happened we must have been the only team he, he ever scored against I was at that old Trafford game when he curled in that wonder strike yeah. then the next season Villa were 2-0 up at Villa Park under Gerard Hurley I remember you speaking to him about that game Makeda came on and scored in that game as well and then you don't ever see the guy again Unbelievable. So Alex Ferguson said to Julio at half time, you know, you should be winning 6 0. That's like the, the most um, complete performance I've, I've seen against one of my teams. Um, you know, Villa were very unlucky that day to throw it away. But as you say, it, it, it just goes with, the, goes with the theme, doesn't it, of just failing to struggling to beat them. 
Yeah, we were doing all right last season as well until Fernandez trod on Conscious foot and got a penalty. As well, I just, honestly, I, just, I honestly don't think we're ever, ever going to beat Manu at Villa Park. I just think it's impossible for us. There's, it's like some kind of curse. I just don't see, see it ever happening. But to be fair to Manu, they've surprised me a little bit this season. They've been very good, haven't they? I know they're, they're nowhere near City, really. But Solskjaer, I think, does actually have them heading in the right direction. I think so, yeah. I think they've made progress. I, I always feel it's hard to say that Man United have had a good season by finishing second just because of, of growing up with them being so dominant and you know, they're such a massive club. I think they're still the, the, big, the, the biggest supported club in the world, aren't they? So, um, you know, that, that's, that's a sign of just how huge that football club is. And, and finishing second and, and even if they do go on and win the Europa League final, yeah, it's progress having having uh, experienced recent seasons, but it's not where Manchester United really want to be at. Is it? It's their second rate positions. Um, but yeah, I mean, you you got to say fair play to Solskjaer because they were in a bit of a sticky place before him, and and, and he's come and he's 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 done it in the right way. I feel. I feel that. Um, he's quite engaging, isn't he? In the fact that he can relate to the supporters because he's obviously um, you know, played for the club and, and and Man United have brought back some you know, big characters of the past, Michael Carrick and uh, um, Darren Fletcher's. Fletcher's obviously there now, yeah. And uh, you know, I think, I think there's, there's, there's a lot going on at Manchester United, obviously with the Glazers and the Super League issues, but that they're starting to do things right and, and trying to bring the fans back on side a little bit. But um, on the pitch, they've been very good this season and, and quite enjoyable to watch. I think that, you know, that those forward four or five players are, are very exciting, aren't they? And now after a, a couple of decent displays for Villa, it's, it's a good game to kind of see where we're, we're at again, playing a team like Manchester United, isn't it? Yeah, it'll be a big test for Villa. And I, I actually think Dean Smith will be quite excited for this game because they've just because they're on the back of, an, of the Everton game. Um, a really good result and a really good performance. I think they'll quite fancy their chances going against one of the bigger boys in the division. And No pressure. Yeah, exactly. You know, if they were coming up against a Sheffield United or West Brom, then the pressure is on them to go and win because they're the favourites. And, and if they don't, you see the kind of backlash that follows because, you know, Villa got one point out of those, against those two teams in, 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 in um, since the turn of the year. And you, you saw how frustrating it was for the fans after. But, I still believe that there's a good performance in there for Villa left and that they're going to beat one of these bigger teams. I was saying this at the back end of last year and they left it really, really late until they beat Arsenal, didn't they? They left it to the last possible moment. Yeah, but you know they went and did it. So I think they'll do it. I think they'll beat one of the, the big teams again. Um, whether it's Man United at the weekend, I don't know, but I think they'll do it. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a... 
real POS. You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Very kind of you to include Arsenal in the big teams there. To be honest, Greg, let's let's move on to the the top three then this week. And I've got my answers down here. Not hundred percent sure that I've got the brief hundred percent right. So it's going to be difficult for me to explain to the listeners, which doesn't make for for a good podcast. But we've gone with top three Premier League rivals. I think you're involved this week as well, aren't you, Greg? So the three teams that we think Villa have competed with in the Premier League era. Your face tells me that you've prepared absolutely nothing for this, and it's going to be it's going to be my three. So, I mean, I think we were trying to uh, gauge where Villa are in terms of comparing them with other clubs in the division, I think. Yeah, mm, so okay. um, Premier League era is a, a, a big, you know, there's a lot of years to compete. There's a lot of years to, to pull together, isn't there? If we're looking at Villa now compared to Villa in 1995, then it's a big difference, isn't it? But I think if we pull together all the Premier League years, where a Villa in where where would Villa be in the table sort of thing and, and what clubs do they okay. compare to? So I'm going to pick my three that I think Villa have been on the same kind of level at in the Premier League era, Greg. So the first one I've gone for three is Spurs. I think Villa and Spurs are both. Uh, Villa have won two trophies actually mm. in the Premier League era. I think Spurs have only won one, but I think Spurs have probably had the, the better finishes in recent years. But when I was growing up. Villa used to finish ahead of Spurs. Now, our class Spurs has probably been an elite side now with their facilities and everything that they've got going on, some of the players that they have. In the Premier League era, I think Villa and Spurs have probably not been far off each other, although Spurs have never been relegated. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think that's fair because if you look back to um, uh, when Martin O'Neill was leaving, um, Villa were on the Similar same level as like Man City and, and and Tottenham at that point. Okay, Man City were just starting to to break the the wage you know structure ridiculously and buy big players, but that's where Villa were, weren't they? Sixth, seventh place type thing. Yeah, yeah. Second one I've gone for is probably the obvious one. Two Everton. I always feel Villa and Everton are similar sized clubs on a similar level. We've probably both both done similar things over over the Premier League here. Again, I think Everton have won one trophy. They won the FA Cup in in '95. So, no, I mean neither club have have been winning lots in, in my lifetime. But again, Villa and Everton and O'Neill, they always seem to be competing in and around the the top six. I think they're they're classic Premier League size, both of them. So I think I think Villa and Everton have probably been about par 
through the Premier League. Again, though, obviously those three seasons Villa spent in the Championship probably edges Everton a little bit ahead. Yeah, I agree with that. I always put sort of Villa in the Everton bracket. Where I always did put Villa in the Everton bracket when they were in the Premier League. I think Everton had a good spell, didn't they, under David Moyes, and they got fifth a couple of times. They got get fourth one year, or, or was it? No, yeah, they yeah, did. Yeah, the one year, they didn't did. They, they did, yeah. yeah. And um, obviously, they you know, like almost got into though. the the Champions League, but, but 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 lost out. And they've had a little bit of European football. So yeah, I, I always think Villa are on that level, same sort of level as Everton. Third one, tough. I struggled for a third, if I'm being perfectly honest. At one point, I had Arsenal down, but Arsenal have won the Premier League three times, four times, so I don't think I can put Villa down in there. One. I went for Leicester. Leicester are a big, big club now. They're really well-operated, well-run club. I know they've won the Premier League, but they've spent some time out of the league. They've been yeah. in League One for a little bit. The last maybe three or four years, they've consistently been in and around the, the top six or seven. And that was that, that has been Villa at a lot of points in, in my childhood growing up. So I, I went for Leicester, but obviously they've got the, the big one in that they've won the Premier League. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one, isn't it, that third? I didn't one. want to say West Ham because I, don't, I think Villa have been better than West Ham in the Premier League era. They're having a good season now. I couldn't really have Arsenal. Or any any of the, the, yeah, the big boys it, in the it, in the big six. It, it was difficult. It's it's a tough one. I think no, not I, Newcastle producer, not Newcastle. <laughs> I think Never when won you anything. when you look when you look yeah when you look at Liverpool, uh, like, yeah, Leicester. Um, I think when you bay, you know, when you average out the title win and then the, the spell in League One and, and Championship relegations yeah, and, and the, the couple of relegations and look, there was a time in in the nineties, wasn't the early two thousands when they were getting to cup finals and stuff. And, they won the cup, yeah, and, yeah, you know, and they, and they, they weren't a bad side then, so and they're not they're not too far off it. I think that's a with, with what you had available. I think that's a, a good third. Thanks, man. Yeah, it was difficult, very very difficult. So we'll go to you now to say who are Villa aiming to, to get towards now in the next twelve months. I mean, probably Leicester to be fair. Um, no, I, I still don't no. think. I still don't think Villa. Are, Even they're miles ahead of us. No, again, I, I don't to qualify that as well. I think that Leicester are ahead of Villa, obviously, because of the league position, the fact that they're in a cup final. Um, I think that, uh, and, and they've had a, you know a, a couple of seasons in in European football, so they are ahead of Villa. Um, I think they've got a better squad than Villa at the moment. Um, Probably a better manager as well. I, I, you know, really like Brendan Rodgers. I think he, he, I think he's a, a, an exceptional manager. Um, and um, but I don't think that Villa are quite aiming to be like that. To be look, the ambition is to be where Leicester are. Don't get me wrong, but for me, next season, if that is, if they don't eclipse what Leicester does, uh, what Leicester do, then it's still not uh, something to, 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 to get concerned about. I think now looking at the league position, Villa have to be better than West Ham next season. I think they have to be better than Everton next season. And I think they have to finally say that they are a bigger club than Arsenal next season as well. Yeah, Arsenal are a uh, you know a huge you know, global brand, obviously, because you know, and, and they can pull in ridiculous commercial deals because um, of the size of the club, the history, the, um, the huge stadium that they've got. Um, and the fact that they've been able to attract very good quality players still. Um, and, and I still think if, if you've got a player choosing between Arsenal and Villa, they still go to Arsenal at this time. Um, so Villa's challenge is to finally say 
that they're bigger than Arsenal. And that's a really tough challenge in itself because Arsenal are trying to get back to where they previously were. Um, so, yeah, for me, those are the three. I don't think that's that tough, you know, getting to Arsenal's level. I've got to be careful because I was on BBC a few weeks ago and I pretty much spent the whole hour ripping into Arsenal and then I was getting a bit of stick from Arsenal fans on, on social media. But, you know... I think they're finished. I mean, look, you know, look, I, I don't... I really think they're finished. I don't disagree with you there. I think they're in a real tough moment. And, you know, is Arteta the right man? Are they going to be able to get real quality players in through the door again? They need to win the Europa League. I mean, yeah, that, they're you know, desperate to. They, they need to win it. Otherwise, it's uh, an unbelievably poor season. Um, but they might just be able to still turn the corner and get back to where they once were. I don't think they can ever really get back. I don't think we can say that they can get back to the, the stage where they previously were for a good few years. They're, they're a long what they're a long way off that, but football turns around very quickly. You know, Liverpool had their problems and, and were able to, to turn things around the, you know, the, the story of Leicester's great. So it can be done. Yeah. Maybe if Spotify take over Arsenal they might be able to head in a different direction and staying with that theme we've got got a few questions I don't know whether you do you watch Line of Duty Greg I've never no. spoke to you about it before no, you suppose, don't watch Line of Duty I suppose so a, I should but no I don't don't sound too enthusiastic about it there was a, there was a few Villa Easter eggs in Line of Duty on on Sunday I don't know whether you whether you heard actually someone I, I know reasonably well Nigel Boyle played a big part in the Line of Duty finale big Villa fan Nigel I think he listens to the podcast actually so we'll say hello to him so Tim Griff 88 has asked with the with the line of duty finale in mind and, and Prince William yesterday opening Villa's new high performance centre, which we haven't even spoke about, Greg, which is an absolute disgrace. Who would be in your famous Villa supporter five aside team? Yeah. Um can we get five? Well Prince William's got Prince to be William, there. Tom Hanks straight in there. William and Tom Hanks. Uh well, David Cameron claimed he was a Villa fan for a little bit, didn't he? No, I'm not having that. No, I'm not having that. I don't believe um, it. Goodness man. There aren't many other Villa famous Villa fans, are there? Uh, I mean, I always think Ian Taylor, but it doesn't really count because he, because because he, he played for them. Tails, Geezer Butler. Who's that? Get Geezer Butler in goal. Who's Geezer Butler? The Black Sabbath. Should I know? Come on, Greg. You're doing a Villa podcast <laughs> there. Terrible. You need to, you need to, you know, that's three, three. We've got one of the Weasley twins. I've forgotten his name. I've forgotten his, his real name. One of the Weasley twins from Harry Potter. <laughs> Nigel He's Kennedy. Here we go. Nigel Kennedy. We'll get him in. Nigel there. Kennedy. David Bradley as well, fam- really famous yeah, actor. He's, yeah, he's Dave, a Villa fan. David yeah, Bradley would have to make it. I mean, this is going to be a really struggling five-a-side team, let's be honest. Yeah, we, have to, we might have to do some walking football. Not going to get many goals. <laughs> no, walking football it is. I think I think Prince William could lay the line, though. He's, he's, a big, he's a big lad, isn't he? You get a few crosses in, Prince William will get on the end of them. Yeah, 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 big lad. He's, he's into his football as well. He he plays in his, yeah. he used to play in his Villa kit um, on Christmas Day every year with, with the Royal Family and, and the Royal Lot. So. You never know. Him. I mean, he, he's a massive Villa geek to be fair he might he might listen to the podcast as well he'll be, he'll be pleased to be in our five-a-side team before we go to the last question the producers just sent me through the all-time premier league table greg okay you haven't looked at it have you i haven't it's no like, it's like, no right where where do you think villa sit in the all-time premier uh, league table? I'm, quite, I'm quite upset think... by something i've seen here that he's laughing about to be honest <laughs> that means newcastle are ahead of us <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i mean uh i think I, I remember looking at this before villa were relegated and they were quite high up i think they were fifth Fourth or fifth, but I reckon Villa are maybe eighth now. Ninth. Ninth, right, yeah. Yeah, ninth with so who, 1, so who are above? Who, who, who are the three directly above? Newcastle have snuck above. Yeah. In eighth. Yeah, with 1,352. They're I'm surprised at that. They're, they're eighth. They've actually played 
less games in the Premier League than Villa as well, according, according to this table. It's, a, it's an old table. This, must, this can't be right. Everton, seventh. Man City, sixth. Tottenham, yeah. fifth. Liverpool, fourth. Chelsea, third. Arsenal, who I've just slated, second. Mm. And then Manchester United, first. West Ham are a little bit below Villa, having played about 40 less games. Even Blackburn are still sitting in 12th ahead of Leeds in 13th. Mm. Blackburn have been in the Premier League for ages. So, yeah, producer one, Daniel Neil, because, uh, yeah, I, I laughed when he said Villa and Newcastle are on the same <laughs> level. But actually, according to this this table, there's not much in it at all. We'll finish with you-know-who's question, Greg, Jack Miller. Gets a question in every week. Fair play to him. I can, I can never, I try and avoid him, but, but you just can't because I, I like his question. They're, they're always interesting. So, let's go with it. He said, if we were hosting a Villa chat show our own Parkinson, if you will, who would our three Villa guests be to spend the hour with and who would the musical act be? <laughs> you know, I seen this question last night and I liked it. I liked the question and I haven't even thought of it. I'm really frustrated. Can you answer first and give me a little time to think? I'll give a couple that I'd, that I'd have. So you'd have to have one current day player, wouldn't you? Yeah. I'd pick Mings because I think he'd be the best to talk to. I'd like to interview Tyrone Mings. I really like him as a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time I've, I've spoken to Tyrone Mings, I've enjoyed the conversation. I think um, I think I'd still pick McGinn just because I've interviewed him again as well a few times and he, you know, top lad. But I think you'd have a little bit more fun with him. I think you'd have a little bit more well, fun. Well, I was going to say, in my three, I'm always having Ian Tyler there. Yeah. Ian Tyler's at everything that, that I'm involved in. I, I would always have Tyler there. I was going to go for quite a niche pick of Snoddy for the third one. Because it'd be so yeah, funny. Yeah. Who's funnier, Snoddy or McGinn? Do you think? <laughs> uh, I th- well, I don't. I don't know Snoddy that very uh, very well. I didn't really get to know him, so I can only go by what people say. But everybody says Snoddy is the He's the yeah. the sort of life and soul of of the dressing room. And uh, yeah, so I think probably he would be. And that's just going by what people have said. I'd have. Do you know what I'd have? I would. I would have. Can we have an old player? Yeah. I want John Carew in there. I think he'd be a really interesting um, to have an hour with him. Would be real good fun. Somebody we've tried to interview him, isn't it? I haven't quite got to him yet. But no, you have to um, be a multi-millionaire <laughs> <laughs> or, or Prince William. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think we've got more chance of Prince William to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd really love to. I'd really love to spend a bit of time with him and just you know, and no holes barred conversation and uh, a couple of points. It'd be great fun. I didn't even ask you about the musical act when you didn't know who Gazer Butler is. Jesus. Um, I don't know, can we have Courtney Horse? <laughs> yeah, Courtney Horse, why not? He can come on and do, and do, do some, some of his stuff. We missed him out of the, the boy band recently. No, like, so yeah, that, that was, a, that was very, very stupid. poor on our, on our uh, part. We've um, redeemed himself, getting him, getting him on the big stage as a musical guest in our village. Sure, sure. He'll be chuffed with that. But if, if we're going to have an actual musical um, act, then I think I've got to have... Um, Ariana Grande, just because I love her. Okay. I was not expecting you to say that at all. I, was, <laughs> I mean, I'm not I, listening to her music. I just want to look uh, at her for an hour. Uh, I, 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 I was going to say Neil Diamond, just so we can I can sing Sweet Caroline with the with the Villa players. That was that was what I wanted to do. So we've got we've got a toss up here between Neil Diamond and Ariana Grande. I, it's all about the music, Greg. Because that was the question. That was the brief. Jack didn't ask you who do you want to do you want to stand and look at for an hour. He asked you what musical <laughs> guest you want for music. I'm just answering the question, mate. That's all I'm doing. Oh, I think that I think that's a a good way to end. It's so a thanks to you, Greg, for coming on and chatting to me. 
as always, take it you're not going to Old Trafford. And it's nice to Villa Park, so you will be going to Villa Park on Sunday. I'm fed up with these fixtures. I get it wrong all the time about where the games are as well. We need to be in yeah. normality. So you're going to Villa Park on Sunday? Yeah, yeah, I'll be there, mate. Look at you. I hope you enjoy it, and then hopefully we can come back and talk about that hoodoo being broken next week. Thanks ever so much for all your questions, and thanks for listening as well. We'll be back next week to review the Manchester United game up the Villa. Athletic.